Good morning. Many of you know my story. My name is Jared, and uh, I'm the pastor here for anyone who is new or joining us and uh, out of town, in town, whatever, welcome. We are thrilled that you're here. Uh, There's not a single person who is here today and is not welcome uh, because that's what heaven is like. The Bible says, all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And so no one can stop you from knowing our Father. And in fact, no man is to set a hurdle in front of you but to encourage you to come on. And so today, that's what we want to do is encourage you uh, to be with the Lord. If you know any of my story, you know that it was very difficult for me to believe um, chiefly that there is a God. Uh, But with Diligent research. I thought this is certainly possible, maybe even plausible, but it would not change my heart on the matter. I still had questions, and I asked God to speak to me. And I went to a prayer meeting one day, National Day of Prayer. Everyone's supposed to gather and pray for the nation. And so this church was going to host a National Day of Prayer, and the building was just open at noon. And uh, they said, you can come in and pray. And I came in and prayed. There was a handful of people, maybe five when I got there. And I began to pray to the Lord, and everyone was there to pray for our president and all the things that you pray for at National Day of Prayer. And... um, I didn't know. More people had come in. Maybe now there's about 15 people in the building. And a Hispanic lady that I've never seen before or since that was topping out at four foot nine got everyone's attention and said, stop, we're praying for the wrong thing. I'd been begging God as I walked in, speak to me, I have to know. If I commit to you, I'm going to commit everything to you. But God, you've got to be with me. And she stopped everyone. She said, we're praying for the wrong thing. And she brought everyone to me. And they said, we need to pray for him. And they all gathered around me and they laid hands and prayed for me. And as they prayed, I knew the Lord was answering my prayer. And then the lady stuck her finger in my chest. And said, young man, you have to walk by faith and not by sight. And I have put my faith in God. I still do research. I still study. uh, I, I still am convinced in many logical ways that God exists. But then when you apply your faith. I believe that today is the most important day in the year as far as what we celebrate as Christians. I think today is the day that Satan hates the most because when Jesus rose from the dead, he knew, he must have known, that he was defeated. And then as we celebrate it every year as we are today, 
It's just a reminder. It's just a reminder. So if you face opposition just in getting to service this morning. Mm-hmm. So what did Jesus do? Because this is, this is what I'm banking my faith on. I am betting my eternity on Jesus. And so as I study his life, it begs a question, why was he murdered in the first place? And this is important. Now, if you don't know, we're going through something here uh, at, at, at church. But this is a building. Welcome. This is Ranger College Auditorium. We have a building that's a couple, couple doors down. Uh, we're going through a remodel, expanding, making more room for you. Uh, but this is just a building. That is just a building. We can meet anywhere. You are the church. But as we are walking through the exodus, how to leave seasons of life, we are walking through the exodus, and I want you to understand that, that this is a, a complete tie. And in fact, without the exodus, you can't understand Easter. Let me explain. John chapter 8, verse 58. All the scripture will be on the screen. No one expected you to walk in here, a Bible scholar, today. No one even expects that you have a Bible, okay? We actually will give them to you as you walk out today. It's our joy to give you a Bible. It's not a burden for us. We love it. Please take it. Uh, you have, maybe you got a connection card as you walked in. Write these things down that we're talking about today. Go and read them for yourself. I don't want you just to, to believe me. Go get it from the Lord. You don't... Uh, you don't need anyone to teach you. The Holy Spirit will, will teach you. Okay, This is a pep rally for what he's teaching you during the week. But John 8, 58 is, is just a little piece of, of what's going on. And let me give you this. Um, this is Jesus speaking. He says, uh, Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day. He saw it and was glad. The Jews replied, You aren't 50 years old and you've seen Abraham? Jesus said to them, truly, I tell you, before Abraham was, I am. And then they got so mad, they picked up rocks to kill him. But it wasn't his time yet. See, he's, he's not even 33 years old today. He will die at the age of 33. Began his ministry at 30. He, he will be murdered on a cross at the age of 33. He had three years that he did ministry uh, here on the earth, beginning at 30, dying at 33. What about this? makes them so angry that they have to kill him. Because make no mistake, they killed Jesus because he was claiming to be God. Now for a very religious society, that's a big claim. And if you can't back it up, that's just part of their law. You have to die for such a thing. And so now there's a burden of proof on Jesus, okay? You've got to, you've got to prove that you are this one, you've got to prove that you are the Messiah. And Jesus said, I'll give you proof, and the proof is this. I'll give you the same sign as, as Jonah. Now, if you know the story of Jonah in the well, Jonah was in the belly of the well for three days and three nights, and he was spit out. Jesus is going to give that same sign. He's in the belly of the earth, right? He's going to be in the grave for three days and three nights until he resurrects. But this specific statement, Jesus said, truly I tell you, before Abraham was, I am made them so mad at this point they decide they will have to kill him. Now they don't go through with it until he really steals their thunder by bringing somebody back from the dead. But this is when they say we've got to murder him. Why is it such a big deal to say before Abraham 
I am. Well, I'll tell you. Go with me to Exodus chapter 2, verse 11. You can go on your phone, your Bible, or the scripture will all be on the screen. Exodus chapter 2, verse 11. We are going to the story of Moses. The Israelites have been enslaved in Egypt. God brings a savior to them, someone who is going to bring what we now call the old law. And uh, this is Moses, okay? So uh, Moses is adopted by the Pharaoh or the king's daughter, and he lives in the palace until he is 40 years old. Now at this point, he's 40 and he decides to leave the palace and go and be with his people. That's where we're picking up, Exodus 2.11. Years later, after Moses had grown up, he went out to his own people and observed their forced labor. He saw an Egyptian striking a Hebrew, one of his people. Looking all around and seeing no one, he struck the Egyptian dead and hid him in the sand. Moses wants to go to his people and he wants to be their savior. Now Moses is going to be a savior for the people, but he's trying to do it his own way. Have you ever tried to do life your own way? How'd that work? Yeah, same way for me. And you notice Moses, before striking, he said he looks. There are pivotal moments. If we had a time machine and we could go back to pivotal moments in your life, you probably did the same thing. Right? And he strikes the Egyptian and he kills him. But then he's discovered. He's discovered and he runs. Why? Because he is guilty. Now he's trying to do a good thing. He's trying to free the people from their slavery. He wants to go out and and be a savior to the people. He has a platform. He's lived in the palace. He has some connection. He knows some people, some high, mighty, important people. And he's like, I can do this. And he tries to do it his own way, but he does the wrong thing. Listen, church. Sometimes you try to do a good thing, but you get there by a bad way. It's not God's way. And so Moses has to run. If you are trying to get a hold of your life, but you're not doing it God's way, in, in theological terms, we call this, um, we, we, there's a phrase for this, that's going to bite you in the butt. Okay. <laughs> You're, you're, you're playing with the wrong dog as <laughs> soon as you turn your back. That's going to bite you in the butt. If you are trying to get to godly means in an ungodly way, you don't understand who God is. Because God is not worried about your destination. God is not worried about whether or not he can get you into heaven, whether or not he can smuggle you. God is not worried about whether or not you will be successful. God is not worried about whether or not you'll be able to pay your bills. God is not worried about these things. He knows these things. God is worried about will you be obedient when things get thick. And so that that is our one obligation is just to be obedient. So uh, take it from Moses. Do it. God's way. I know you got a plan, but put the bat down, okay? Now, at this point, he runs. He realizes he's discovered. He runs. 
from history, we think that there are multiple things that are going on here that he's going to have to run from. His mother has probably passed away and he's going to be hunted anyways. We don't know. But all we read into it is what the Bible gives us. And so he runs. And so at 40 years old, he leaves and now he runs to the wilderness. And he is going to be in the wilderness for 40 more years. Okay? Now at this point, I'm going to take you to Exodus chapter 3 verse 13. Moses is walking around shepherding sheep in the wilderness. Remember, he lived in the palace for 40 years, and now he has run away, and he has recently gotten a new family, okay? He has a new family, and he will be in the wilderness for 40 years, and at the end of this 40 years, something mysterious happens, and if you are a Jew, this is a big, big deal. In fact, this is the reason they wanted to kill Jesus in John chapter 8. Here we go. Then Moses asked God, if I go to the Israelites, wait, 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 let me take you back. Moses is walking around and he sees a bush that is burning. Now in this particular place, there's a bush that will at times spontaneously combust. This is not completely out of the norm. What was out of the norm was it just kept burning and, and the wood wasn't releasing as fuel. It was a burning bush, but the, the, the bush was not burning up. And so this small tree begins to burn, and Moses walks over to it to see why it's not burning up like these bushes normally do. And then God begins to speak to him and says, Moses, take off your sandals for you're on holy ground. And we believe that this is Christ who has come, and he's speaking through. You're like, wait, I thought Jesus was. No, no, no. You see the embodiment of Jesus in the New Testament. See, you got to understand this about God. You're projecting things onto God that's not God. God is not a human. God is not a man. God is not a woman. Okay? So when, when Jesus came to earth, God was humbling himself by taking the form of a man. And so we believe that, that possibly this is Christ who has come to speak to Moses. But he comes and he speaks to Moses and he tells Moses he wants to free The people, and Moses is like, I already tried that, but God says, I want you to do it my way this time. Then Moses asked God, if I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your ancestors has sent me to you, and they ask me, what is his name, what should I tell them? Do you understand that Moses understands that his people have a religion, but he doesn't even know what to call his God. Just because you grow up... With the Hebrews doesn't mean that you know their God. Just because you grow up in the dirty south where we celebrate Easter doesn't mean that you know who God is, right? Just because we grow up in Texas doesn't make you a Christian. We have to meet God for ourselves. Now, God replied to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. So back when Jesus said, before Abraham, I am. And you were like, listen, something has been lost in translation. Because it should say, before Abraham, I was. I were. No, he said, but I am. What was he saying? I am God. If you look at this passage, he's actually going to tell you he's the I am seven times, which the world was made in seven days. Like God, God uses seven to say this is complete, this is done. Jesus says I am seven times to tell them I am God. I am God. Come to earth. I am the Messiah. And so they are livid. This guy just walked in and said he's God. And you're like, I get it. 
Because I went to Dallas. I was downtown one time, and a dude told me the same thing. Right? But you know what the dude downtown Dallas didn't do? He didn't turn water into wine. He didn't walk on water. He didn't die and come back to life. Okay? So Jesus has a, he's got to validate himself here. Okay? And so that's why he performs all of these miraculous deeds. As he's showing them, I'm not bluffing. I am. So God calls Moses, says, Moses, I want you to do it my way. I want you to understand. I know that, and, and uh, Charlie told me this the other day. He said, Moses was a somebody for 40 years. He was a nobody for 40 years. And then he spent 40 years proving that God could do something with nobody. Thank you. Now, Jesus is telling them, I am. Do y'all want to know what, it, so they were speaking Hebrew. They weren't actually speaking English. So when, when God said, I am, who sent you? I am. And I don't, I don't, listen, I'll tell you this if you'll promise not to like abuse this. Okay? This is kind of a fun word to say. What God's actual name is in Hebrew. It's kind of a fun word to say. But don't, don't abuse this because this is the name of our God. Are y'all ready? Okay. Some of you think that you know it. Yahweh. No. We changed it out of reverence so that we didn't abuse the name. But the actual name of God in Hebrew that he said was his name is Hayah. See, I told you, it's kind of fun to say. You're, you're like, I've seen that. Bruce Lee knew God. No. That's, the, that's what he said. And so out of reverence, things got changed. And they began to take the same letters and reformat them for, for various different reasons. And, and begin to call God Yahweh. But uh, this is what God said his name was. Now, uh, Moses has just been introduced to God. The people in Jesus' day have just been introduced to God. And Moses is going to go on to write a law for the people because he is going to free them from slavery, but ultimately what he's trying to do is free them from themselves because you have had many foes you have had much opposition but which foe comes back every day self I have to be freed from myself I have to be freed from my sinful nature and so the people wanted freed from Egypt but Moses is going to write them a law to free them from themselves likewise in Jesus day the people want freed from Rome but Jesus is going to come to release them from sin, release them, release them from their sinful nature, release them from themselves. Now Moses is going to write a law, and as is proved over and over and over and over in the Bible, I could keep doing this all the way until you can't see me on the other end of the stage. We get a chance for redemption, and we blow it. And it's proved. And so Moses writes this law and so what would happen is the people would make sacrifices to pay for their sins so that I am released from sin. There's one more thing that's going to happen. Moses is going to go back to free the people from Egypt. But the king, or Pharaoh as we call him in Egypt, is not going to let the people go. And so Moses is going to say, let them go or my God will handle this. And Pharaoh will not let the people go. And he will bring about ten 
plagues. Now these are actually, you're going to see them again in Revelation. These were prophetic for what is going to bring the people out from under Satan in the end. But there are nine plagues and Pharaoh says, no, I won't let your people go. No, I won't let your people go. And they get progressively worse and worse and worse until the nation of Egypt has been completely ransacked. But Pharaoh will not let the people go. And so, uh, Exodus chapter 12, verse 12 through 13, God says, I'm going to bring the tenth one. Ten is the number of testimony. I'm going to bring the tenth plague. Here's what he says in Exodus 12, 12. I will pass through the land of Egypt on the night and strike every firstborn male in the land of Egypt, both people and animals. I am the Lord. I will execute judgments against all the gods of Egypt. And so all the plagues. You're like, that's weird, man. If you read the plagues, it's like they were plagued with frogs and gnats. It's because there were a God that would control those things. And Jesus said, I will... Uh, execute judgment against all the gods of Egypt. And so he was actually throwing this in the face to saying, your God is not powerful like I am powerful. Okay, So all these things meant something. The blood of the houses where you are staying will be a distinguishing mark for you. When I see the blood, I will pass over you. No plague will be among you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. And so what happens is the people took a lamb. Now, I don't have a lamb today, but I do have a llama. If we were doing the nativity scene in Peru, this is what we would have. So if you're Peruvian here today, feel right at home. Now, this is our lamb for today. Don't judge me. I have a limited amount of stuffed animals. And so they would sacrifice the lamb during the Passover. And they took the blood and they would take a hyssop branch. Which, where do we see a hyssop branch again? Ooh, at the cross of Jesus where they give him something to drink on the cross with a hyssop branch. They're going to take a hyssop branch and dip it in the lamb's blood. And they're going to paint the doorpost. And when the destroying angel sees the blood of the lamb over the entrance, the destroyer will say, no, this is God's people. And he will pass over. And so it is called Passover. And so the Egyptians did not get passed over. And so a firstborn from every household died that night. But not where the people were who had the blood of the lamb over their door. And so this was celebrated every year in a festival called Passover. And what, what festival is going on right this week? Easter. Passover. Oh, we'll get there. But under the law of Moses, I would celebrate this every year, and I would make sin offerings with a bull every year. There were sin offerings, and there was a Passover lamb. And so they would, they would pay for their sins, and they would try to get right with God, but there was a problem. See, because what would happen is, heaven is closed to me. You see this door? This is the, this is the way. But it's closed because of my sin. And so I would sacrifice an animal. And now heaven is open to me. But then, ooh, she's beautiful. Oh! oh. Then, then I would sin. And. Oh my gosh, I can't believe I've sinned again. My boss is a real jerk this week. You ever sit at your desk and look at your boss and crush their head? You ever do that, like when you were little? 
And so oh, I've got sin again. And so it requires perfection. My sin has to be paid for, but I can't. And so I'm going to be righteous. I'm going to be righteous. Wow, I'm doing well. I'm righteous. I'm so righteous, I'm actually better than you. You see what I'm saying? And so because it depends on us, there was no way to get to the Father because it, de- it, it, it was my own righteousness that was going to get me there. And upon myself, I'm not righteous. Can I get an amen? Y'all, see, y'all were talking about me when you said that. I meant for you, right? Upon ourselves, we're not righteous. Now, Jesus comes, and he's the better Moses. Jesus comes, and he's the better lamb. Jesus comes, and he is going to be the sin offering, and he's going to be the Passover lamb, but he never sinned. And so his sacrifice is not just going to pay for my past sins, it will pay for all the sins to come. Well, then that means you can do anything you want. Listen, if you were looking at it that way, I don't think you got it. If you're waiting for, for, for perfection, you're waiting, you're going to be around a long time. If you're waiting to get perfect before you can come to Jesus, that's like getting a bath so that you can go get in the bath. Jesus came to set his people free from slavery. He is going to be the lamb. This is why he had to die. You're like, why did he even, why, why did he have to be a sacrifice? Why did he have to be killed? Why does it, because blood is required to pay for your sin. If I'm going to be atoned or made righteous, there has to be a sacrifice made for me, and I didn't have the funds to pay for it, because what paid for it was righteousness, and I'm not righteous. And so it had to take someone righteous. So God himself becomes a man, comes to the earth, and lives fully God, but also fully human. He had all the temptations that you have, but he never once gave in to it. Why? For you, so that he could have a perfect lamb. See, the lamb that you sacrificed had to be perfect. Couldn't have any blemishes, couldn't have any broken bones. Did you know that's why they did not break Jesus' bones when he was on the cross? Is because he is going to be the Passover lamb. And so in the end, uh, when you die on a cross, you die from asphyxiation. You ever tried to do pull-ups and you're like, I'm just going to rest. I've done two, no, I'm going for three, and I'm going to rest. And you do that and you... You have to pull yourself up because you start to suffocate. And this is what they knew, the Romans, that it was their favorite way to kill people was on the cross. And so the thieves on the side of Jesus, they broke their legs so that they could no longer push up and get a breath. But Jesus was already dead, so they did not break his legs. Instead, they stuck a spear through his side for which blood came down. The cleansing, atoning blood came to earth that day. See, Jesus was under the old law. All until this point. Because the old law had not been satisfied. The sacrifice had not yet been made. And so, John chapter 1 verse 29. Listen to this. The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. What does he mean? The Passover Lamb. John 13, 1. Before the Passover festival, Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart from this world to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. What do you mean before the Passover festival? Do you understand that when Jesus walked into Jerusalem to die to be the sacrifice for your lamb, he didn't do it on just any old day, he did it when? Passover! 
Why? Because he's a Passover lamb. If you read through the New Testament, you're like, wow, he knows he's about to die. How does he know this? Because he understands he's the lamb. And Passover's coming. And when do you sacrifice a Passover lamb? Passover! He knew what he was. This is why he prayed in the garden. Jesus, he, he said, God, if it's your will, take this cup from me. But if not, let your will be done. He was like, listen, I don't want to be tortured. I don't want to be mangled. I don't want to have my flesh ripped off of me. I don't want to be beaten so bad that I'm not recognizable as a man. I really don't want someone to drive nails through my hands and feet. But if this is what has to be for my children, then so be it. John 19, 13 through 16. When Pilate heard these words, he brought Jesus outside. He sat down on the judge's seat in a place called the Stone Pavement, but in Aramaic, Gabbatha. It was the preparation day for the Passover. This is when Jesus is handed over to die. And it was about noon. He told the Jews, here's your king. They shouted, take him away, take him away, crucify him. Pilate said to them, should I crucify your king? We have no king but Caesar. The chief priest answered. Then he answered, him, uh, I'm sorry, then he handed him over to be crucified. Crucified when? Preparation day. Preparation for what? For Passover. He is the Passover lamb. The I am God took the form of a man and came to the earth and not only that, but what did he do while he was here? He served. He washed feet. He touched Lepers, somebody say hallelujah. Nobody was too dirty for him to touch. They walked in and he's eating with tax collectors and prostitutes. These are unclean, untouchable people. Gentile people, he went to the well and he found this woman who was living in sin. Man, she had done some dirty things and she wasn't even a Jewish woman. It was literally against their religion or so the rabbi said for him to even talk to her and he ministers to him. He saves everybody. He sets the standard. So who can be saved? All who call upon the name of Jesus can be saved. Why? Because this is no longer needed. We have a sacrifice that pays for all, for all time. Now, Here's what happened. I couldn't get to heaven because the door would close. But now I'm made righteous, so I have to live righteous, right? Well, here's what happened. Jesus put out his arms on the cross, and he took the place of a lamb and And now the door has been opened. Oh no, oh no, I'm going to blow it, I'm going to blow it. Listen church, you're going to fall down, you're going to sin, you're going to lust, you're going to be stupid, and the door will not shut. Let me say this as spiritually as I can, if you have fallen down, get your butt up and keep walking, because the Lord has gone to prepare a place for you. And the only thing I'm asking you not to do is turn around and walk the other way. You will fall. You will stumble. But get up and keep following the Lord. Listen to this. 
When you fall, you run back to the church. You run back to the family. You get in your word. And I understand you say, I've been away from God for so long. The last place I want to do is be on my knees. The last thing I want to do is read my Bible. The first thing you need to do, brother, is get on your knees. You need to hear from the Lord. Listen, you have a good father. He's not here to rub your nose in it. You know what? A good father punishes children. I've been punished, but he doesn't get rid of them. And the fact that your father is still convicting you, the fact that your father may punish you, the fact that your father is still on your case means that he's not giving up on you. You have a God who loves you and will not give up on you. Now, things are weird. We live in a strange world. It's always been a little strange. God gives this analogy, and I'm going to give you this. This is just a, a, a way to think about this. Because the Easter story is the day that that lamb who paid for my sins came back from death, defeating death. The people wanted Rome to be defeated, just in the way when Moses came, they wanted Egypt defeated. But listen, not one person in here has been, has, and, and, unless you've got some wild story where you were in prison in Egypt or Rome or Italy, okay, uh, nobody here is under Egyptian or Italian oppression. Those things are gone. Sin is what still remains, but Jesus has defeated that. And so here's what happens. Now, I need to explain one thing, and then we're going to go. Uh, worship team, no, worship team, give me one minute. Hold on. Worship team, you're, you're fine where you are. This helped me. Maybe it will help you. Now, under old Jewish customs, marriage was done a little differently than what we do. And so if I were going to give away my daughter in marriage, which I'm not, I need a daughter. Daughter? Now, Here's what would happen. If someone wanted to marry my daughter, according, this is old Jewish customs. This was a bad analogy. This feels so uncomfortable. What they would have to do, I would set a bride price. This is what it takes for my daughter. So the more I think of my daughter, the more you have to pay. Many customs still do this. I stayed with a family when I was in South Africa, and if you wanted to marry this guy's daughter, who, by the way, was on her way to be a brain surgeon, uh, it cost one million rand, which is a three-to-one ratio, so it wasn't quite a million bucks, but she was, she was big money. The father sets the bride price, and if you want to marry the daughter, you have to pay the bride price. But it's not over then. Because according to their customs, now, once my daughter is married, she will go to live with her new husband, where? In his father's house. Pretty sure Jesus said, I go to my father's house to prepare a place for you. So what would happen is, he would pay the bride price and I would say, okay, when you come back, you may take my daughter after a big ceremony. Now their weddings were a big deal. Your wedding will be a big deal when the father comes back for you. Now, he would come, he would pay me for my daughter, and I would say, okay, see you later, and then he would leave. And he would go back to his father's house and he would build a wing on his father's house. Now, 
He could not be finished building the wing on his father's house until his father said it is done because young men were in quite a hurry. This was a different custom. No, no, no boom, boom before the honeymoon, okay? So men were in a rush, but he could not be done until the father, who was much more patient than the son, said, yeah, it checks out. And then he could return for his bride. Listen, Jesus came and he paid the price for the bride, for you. And he said, I go to prepare a place for you. In my father's house are many mansions. If it were not true, I would not have told you so. He goes to prepare a place for us. And this is where we sit today. Already in the kingdom of God, but not yet in the kingdom. Why? Because he is preparing the place and he is preparing time for you to accept him. And so a Christian tenet of the faith, this is our belief. We're waiting for that door to open and the groom to step through and say, come on. Easter was him giving us the freedom to choose. Being released from our oppression. Being released from the power of sin. Worship team, come on. And then he has gone to prepare a place for us. And we believe that one day he is coming back. Daughter, you may not engage to anyone. That was not obligatory to anyone, okay? Uh, you may go. Thank you so much. Yeah, good job. That door wasn't opening and closing on its own. We believe that Jesus is coming back for his bride. And with all of our heart, we want you to be part of that. We want you to be a bride of Christ. I have bet my life on it. I have bet my eternity on it that Jesus is coming back. That not only is there a God, but that he loves me. He validated himself in miraculous ways, but then, even then, he still validates himself to me. He comes to me. He speaks to me. Next week, we're going to talk about the things that stand in our way of hearing from God. And so you go, you know what? I've tried this. I'm just not getting, I'm not getting out of this, what everybody else is getting out of this. I've tried. It's just not doing a thing for me. Please come back. Because as the story goes, the people are going to have to learn to hear from God, as, as are we. But he is coming back to get his bride. We want you to be a part of that. Why? Because we're a secret cult that, that does, that's better than everybody else. No. We're better than no one. And that's what makes our story so awesome. It has nothing to do with how good I am. If it's has how good I am, man, you are dismissed. We can go. Because that ain't, that ain't a thing. It's, it's my God. It's my God that saves me from myself. With all of my heart, I want you to be a Christian. I've never argued anyone into becoming a Christian. I've never forced someone into becoming a Christian. It doesn't work that way. And I will not start that today. And no one will, if, if you are in here and you say, you know what, I'm here because my kids are going to hunt for eggs or whatever. I love you. And I am so happy that you came. That doesn't offend me at all if you don't agree with me. But if the Holy Spirit is working on you with all of my heart, I want you to have a father. I want you to be waiting 
for the groom to come back for his bride. When I go to heaven, I want every one of you with me. And so I want to pray for you. And, and I know there's, this is done a lot of ways. If you've ever been to a church service before, uh, you've seen this done in various ways. Uh, I want to do this a little different. I don't, want to, I don't want anyone to come and make an emotional decision because I'm asking you to make a forever decision. We have a prayer team. Prayer team, I want you to stand up and make your way to the front row, please. If you see them standing up, making their way to the front row, you know, just find these people. And they are here to pray with you. We have a prayer team that will be here at the, at the front. So you can put it on your connection card, and we'll give you a call this week if you say, you know what, I don't know if I'm going to go to heaven when I die. I don't know if I'm part of this crew that gets to go be with Jesus. We will love, we will call you this week if you put that on your connection card. That's fine. But better yet, we've got people that are right here to pray with you, to talk with you. Nobody's asking you for a commitment. You're not, we're not going to ask, get your credit score and sign you up for a card today. It doesn't work like that. We just want to talk to you, and we want you to know our Father, because one day when that trumpet blows and the groom comes back for his bride, bro, we want you running with us. So everybody just bow your head, close your eyes for a second, because I want to pray for you. Holy Spirit, we ask that you move in this place. Lord, I pray that you powerfully move in this place. Lord, I know that in in, in the things that we read about in the Bible, you were doing all this neat stuff, but God, would you stir so strong in somebody's heart that they'll remember it forever. God, would you bring your children home starting today? God, for anybody in this place that doesn't know you, for anybody in this place that doesn't even know that there may be a God, would you do something big in their hearts right now? God, would you give us that mustard seed of faith and let that thing grow. Father, for anybody who is is, is nervous about the implications of what it means for the Holy Spirit to stir in their heart, I pray that you give them courage. I pray that you'll move their feet, that that they will know you, Lord. Thank you for our brothers and sisters who are in here. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. See, I told you, no contracts to sign. I just want the Holy Spirit to empower you to come and speak to somebody about your faith. Nobody's here to argue you into anything. If we leave, if we part ways today and you don't agree with me, you're my friend and I love you. Now, in just a second, uh, part of the way that we worship was to tithe and offering, so baskets are going to come forward. But also, if you've got a connection card and there's something you want us to pray about, if there's something you want us to walk with you through, we would love to do that. Put that on connection card. Drop that in that basket. Uh, but we have a prayer team here. Grab one of the worship team. We would love to pray with you. we got hamburgers and all, all, all the stuff outside. We're going to have egg hunts. We're going to do all the things right after service, too. Also, uh, we got our girl Dee Dee. Where's Dee Dee? She even in here? She outside? Dee Dee right here, stand up. Uh, Dee Dee's getting baptized outside in the trough. The sun's out there warming it up. And so we're going to leave. We're going to leave immediately from here and go. We're going to have a baptism. But I, I, listen, I, I know Dee Dee, she excuses you. If you want to be here talking to the prayer team, you're excused to do that. So uh, we're going to do all the things. But man, if the Holy Spirit is dealing with your heart, don't leave. Don't leave without dealing with it. Stand and worship, please.